Um, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, as you know, we have gathered here to uh, share stories, stories that uh, foster a better understanding and a deeper appreciation of uh, newcomers' experiences in Newfoundland. So um, the idea for this project um, came to me during a class with um, Dale Jarvis. He uh, strongly encouraged us and supported us to apply for the Helen Crichton Folklore Society Project Grant, um, the organization that is in fact sponsoring the event we're having here tonight. The Helen Crichton Folklore Society was launched in remembrance of of uh, Helen Crichton, uh, Canada's first lady of folklore. Um, after I uh, received the grant, uh, a lot of planning was needed and both uh, REAC and uh, the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland um, and Labrador offered me their support. Um, so I managed to carry on uh, with the project and find participants who will be sharing their stories with us tonight. So um, tonight we have people from all over the world who are uh, going to share some stories with us. Uh, and first up is Yvette, who is from Rwanda. It was in 2007. So I was graduating from college in Cégep in Quebec. And um, at one point I wanted to learn English. Um, so as you see, I did at the end. Um, so I started thinking about where to go and what to do. So there was the Explore program. I say, oh, great, I'm going to apply. So I applied to Explore program. It's every summer. So um, they granted me the uh, grant to go learn English somewhere in Canada. So they sent me the letter saying, oh, you have been accepted to go to the Explore program, yada, yada, and it's uh, St. John something. So I go online, Google St. John, way to go, buy a ticket, bus ticket, obviously, because the map was showing me it's 10 hours drive from Quebec. That's easy. 10 hours. I can do that in my sleep. I flew 24 hours to come to Canada. Why not to just go 10 hours drive to get somewhere where I want to learn a language? So um, now it's Friday, but I bought my, my ticket. It's the summertime. Explore came. Uh, it's Friday. Uh, five o'clock, my bus is leaving. My mom put me um, at the bus stop, and she's like, oh, well, so 10 hours drive, we're going to arrive tomorrow morning. You're going to give me a call, blah, blah, blah. Now, when I go to the ticket, they, I show them my student letter and my uh, ticket um, because they were like a kind of, um, kind of reduction for being a student and that. So the lady looked at me, she's like, well, do you know where you're going? I'm like, yeah, obviously, St. John's, like St. John's. It's like, yeah, but your ticket says St. John, New Brunswick, and your school letter says St. John's, Newfoundland. I'm like, well, what, what, what are you talking about? Uh, how many St. John's do we have in this city? Anyway, <laughs> in this country, and I was like, she's like, well, it's not the same thing. I was like, well, so explain to me. So she goes and tells me how where she took the map because I couldn't understand what she's saying, New Brunswick, Newfoundland. Sounds the same. New, new. That's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, she took the map, showed me the dots. I was like, oh, ow. So the 10-hour drive became 34-hour drive and the boat and all that. So anyway, she changed my ticket, got me to, the, to go to St. John's, Newfoundland. Now everything changed in my head because I was supposed to arrive here on Saturday, but then it arrived. It happens that I will be arriving in St. John, Newfoundland on Sunday night or Monday morning, which class was starting Monday morning. I'm panicking. I don't know. I'm 20, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. So um, now this young lady was traveling from across Canada. She was coming from Alberta. She was there behind me listening to what's going on. 
and I'm panicking. I'm like, I'm going back home. I'm leaving. This is not okay. I'm not going to take a boat and another 14-hour car and all that. So um, the lady changed the ticket anyway, um, and that, lady, that young girl came and told me, well, you know, I'm going to St. John's, Newfoundland, too, so I can help you out. Don't you worry about that. But now I have two big luggages. I'm like, how am I going to make it happen to change three buses, change into the boat and do all that? She's like, no, 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 don't you worry. You know, Newfoundland people, yes, boy, that's easy. That's very simple. <laughs> Anyway, so she ended up really being a very good companion during the whole, um, the whole tragic, the whole war, walk, whatever we're doing that day. Um, so I uh, arrived at Porobasque on, um, I think it was like Sunday morning after the whole trip. I had to sleep in the boat and I had to sleep somewhere else. And I don't remember whatever happened that trip. It was a very long trip that I remember of. It was raining. It was not wonderful. I was like, I'm hating where I'm going. I don't care what it is. I don't want to see that place. I'm just going to get through this month and go home. And I already booked the ticket back, like flight ticket, despite the fact I have my bus. I was like, I'm not taking this bus again, ever. So that happened. And uh, Sunday morning, I arrived at Borobask, get off the boat. I start crying. Don't ask me what. But I saw the uh, um, paysage. What is that? I, I saw the lens. Yes, I saw the landscape, the water, everything. I was crying. I was like, this is beautiful. I'm like, I'm never leaving this place. <laughs> so all the madness that from the mainland stayed in water. And I was in St. John's. Well, not yet. So we took all the trip and arrived in St. John's. So that was in 2000, about seven, eight, and 2010. Um, come back with my husband. I'm like, you're gonna go see this place. It's wonderful. It's amazing. We're gonna move there. We're moving there. We're going nowhere else. So anyway, we came back in 2010, um, and then we're like, okay, we're moving there. And 2015, we did pack our car and we moved in Newfoundland. And here I am. So that's my story, I guess, for Newfoundland. And I guess I just loved the people. I loved the welcoming I got. I loved, I still love the landscape. I don't feel like I just, it just feel right when I'm here. I just feel home. I just, I always say when people ask me, where did you move to? I say, well, I moved to my little Africa back in Canada. That's how I call it. So it's a little Africa back home in Canada. So that's, um, I would say that's a little bit about how I ended up here and how uh, Newfoundland treated me and yeah, now I'm here. That, that's all. Thank you very much, Yvette. Um, a similar thing actually happened to me in the airport. Um, you know, you, you're going towards St. John, and when they announce it in French, you hear the same thing, but then you change direction once you know that they're not the same place. But anyways, next up we have Mark, who's uh, one of the most wonderful people I've met here. And uh, he uh, has married a Newfoundlander. So he's going to uh, share his story with us. He's from the UK. I have lived in Newfoundland for a little under a year now, but have visited numerous times before. The reason I came to Newfoundland in the first place was because of my wife, who back then was my girlfriend. We met when she was on vacation in London, England. At that time, with the exception of the dog, I'd hardly even heard of Newfoundland, let alone thought of visiting. Over the years, while we lived apart, I would use all of my vacation days from work and as much money as I could afford on travelling over here to be with her, and she did the same to be with me. This meant that we managed to see each other at least once every couple of months. It was during this time that not only did I fall deeper in love with her, but I also started becoming attached to Canada, and specifically Newfoundland. So much so that when we decided to get married, for me there was never any question about where we were going to live. It was always going to be here. 
There are many striking things that I thought would make Newfoundland a wonderful place to live. And my experiences over the past year have done nothing but reinforce that belief. From the friendly people who live here to the striking scenes of natural beauty that make up about 80% of the rest of the island. What is there not to like? I have always enjoyed exploring the great outdoors and the wonder of nature. I grew up in the countryside of the southeast of England where I was surrounded by rolling green hills and farms. It was very picturesque and I spent a lot of my youth getting lost in the local woodlands. But those woods were nothing compared to the forest of Newfoundland. In the English woods, you could maybe get lost for a couple of hours a day at most. Whereas over here, if you go off the beaten path, you will wind up lost forever. Now, I'm not one for exploring the deep wilderness, so the thought of getting lost physically doesn't really concern me. Instead, I get lost in the visions of the lakes and the ponds, and surrounded by woodland and wildlife that cover this beautiful island. The wildlife that you find roaming around here are nothing like the creatures of England. Much like the country itself, everything here is so much bigger. I can't think of a single time where I have seen anyone stopped on the side of the roads of England to take pictures of any British wildlife, not even deer. So you know you're somewhere special when even the people who grow up around here stopped to, still stop to take pictures of the wildlife. I remember the reason I first saw a moose was down to people being stopped on the side of the road. It was my second trip over here and we were on our way to Cape Spear for an evening walk around the lighthouses. We were heading down the road to the lighthouses when, on one of the bends, I saw a mass of stopped cars and people stood on the side of the road with their phones out. At first, I thought that maybe there was some sort of accident. But as we started to pass everything, everyone, uh, I noticed that what they were looking at were two medium-sized brown animals. We pulled the car over at the nearest safe spot and I leapt out like an overexcited child and rushed over to where the other people were. There, I saw what I can only describe as teenage-looking moose merrily grazing not more than 15 feet away from me completely oblivious to the crowd of people that was gathering around them. They remained there for a good five or so minutes until a particularly loud motorcycle roared past and scared them off. Because of that experience, I've gotten into the habit of taking a camera out with me almost everywhere I go, and it has regularly paid off, because so far I have gotten multiple pictures of moose, a herd of caribou, and a couple of seals playing in the waters of La Manche, as well as a multitude of iceberg pictures. As yet, I haven't come across a bear, not that I want to see one face to face, but I'm keeping my eyes open for them from the comfort and safety of the car. I would never claim to be a fantastic photographer, but with the sights and scenes over here, you really can't go wrong. When driving down the highway, you can point your camera out of almost any window and get a spectacular picture. And if you're on the coast, then this picture could be made even more epic this time of year with the arrival of icebergs. It wasn't that long ago I had my first encounter with a truly huge iceberg. During my past visits, I'd been on multiple trips to hunt down icebergs whenever I was over in the summer months. Usually I wasn't able to come over until July, which is after the majority of the really big ones have long since left the waters of Newfoundland, so I only really seen the small to medium leftovers. However, this April brought the first large iceberg to the shores of Fairyland. It was a couple of months early and caused quite a stir with everyone, including international news as it was featured on the BBC. But all that happened after I'd been to see it. Thanks to the wonders of modern technology and social media, my wife saw pictures of the large iceberg in the beginning of April when one of her friends shared it on Facebook. I took one look at the pictures of the mammoth hunk of ice and said we had to go and see it for ourselves. So we hopped in the car and away we went. Before coming to Newfoundland, the closest I had ever come to an iceberg would have been an ice cube floating in a glass of lemonade. That doesn't exactly inspire the same awe as a floating mountain, a floating mountain of ice sitting in the bay. And we fo- when we first glimpsed the sight of this great iceberg towering above fairyland, the air in the car-, car was turned blue from the obscenities uttered in surprise. The pictures really didn't do its scale justice. We wandered out to the lighthouse, taking pictures all the way, and I don't think my jaw ever really got off the ground until after we left. 
If you had added a bald eagle flying overhead and a whale swimming around it, you would have had the most epic Canadian image imaginable. Unfortunately, there wasn't a whale in sight, but the eagle did make a welcome appearance. A week later, after the Easter holidays, my parents saw the iceberg featured on the BBC and they instantly recognised it from the pictures I had sent them. For years, I had spent as much time as I could visiting my other half while vacationing and touring around Newfoundland, soaking up the sights and culture. If I'd have known about her and where she lived long ago, I would have moved here as soon as I was old enough to leave home. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Though I hope that I can make up for lost time by spending the rest of my time here as a permanent tourist. Because after years of just visiting, this tourist is happy and proud to call this wonderful island his home. Thank you, Mark. You should actually give this to the tourism centre here and ask them to pay you for that. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, next up, we have Jing, um, who is a very talented musician as well. She's going to share her story with us, and then she's going to play her uh, instrument for us, which is very impressive. Hi, everyone. So I want to share my story uh, in Xinjiang. And this story is not that interesting, I think, but it's very significant for me because I'm a um, Gujan musician. When I was in China, I was also teaching Gujan and uh, performing Gujan. And, uh, and uh, when I get to Xinjiang, actually I came to Xinjiang because, I, uh, because of my um, uh, education. I am now a PhD student at Mao as well. So I, at first I, I just, I just said, oh, I'll come to this place to study, to finish my degree. So I'm here. And then it, 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 turned out, it turns out to be really a fantastic music scene, music place, because this is a place that all musicians are very open, and you can cooperate with musicians from all over the world. And I want to say the first time I tried improvisation with my colleague Sarah Pong uh, at Mon. So that was very impressive because I never tried the improvisation before. I I have learned I have learned playing and. Um, Gujan for almost uh, 20 years, but I never get access to improvisation. And the improvisation, what is improvisation? You know, I also play beautiful melodies and I have scores in my mind when I perform, perform this instrument. So the first time I tried improvisation, because my colleague, um, and she, 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 she wanted to apply a clock on um, intercultural communication. So she uh, invited me to join her to give this um, like a workshop thing. So I, I, I was glad because I, I, it, it was a new thing for me, so I tried. And uh, I still can remember the first day when we tried the first hour, first rehearsal for the uh, improvisation, I just uh, sat behind beside my instrument I and I I have I had no idea what to do. Although I I would say I'm really academically trained and like professional good musician. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to plug my instrument. I don't know how to continue it. So and my colleague Sarah she said, Oh calm down, calm down, just calm down. Don't be crazy. Don't stuck there just calm down and uh, and you treat your instrument as a tool to express yourself rather than show your skills because i always think 
I want to show myself as a professional musician. So I always think, oh, I should play professional music. I I I don't just play play several uh, strings to make a sound. No, I won't do that. I want I want show my skills. I, I and my and my colleagues uh, and my colleagues are just say. Calm down. I, I can remember she just keeps saying, "Calm down, calm down," <laughs> and uh, okay, okay, I'll calm down. And uh, then I try to feel the instrument, and then I I start to say like, I don't play fast cadence. I don't play like a, uh, I I don't want to show how fast I can be, how beautiful the mel- melodies can be. I just want to cooperate cooperate with my colleague or cooperate with my partner how we can make this music happen how we can make this music like throughout hands so happening throughout hands so finally i did it and uh, and after a long piece i on that day that afternoon i said oh it was terrible and sarah said it's okay <laughs> And I just can't believe it. Why? We we I, I don't think we match the rhythm and uh, we will make uh, good music there. And Sarah said it's just our you know, our our ways to um, to talk. It's a way to share, it's a way to communicate, it's not a way to say uh play professional music. So I start to think about this question because I I never I never saw this before, and uh, I feel like there is uh, something in my mind always holding me back. Because, and that turned out to be my traditional uh, Chinese education. You know, China is, um, I would say, is a, a conservative country compared uh, with many countries. So I always think. I, if I play music, I would be this way rather than that way. But here in Xinjiang, I can play music in all kinds of ways. And uh, now I try, I tried all uh, different music genres with um, uh, Western musicians, with my colleagues, with musicians here. I feel like I really open now. I feel like I found a new myself. So I really love this place because it it lets me find a new way to uh, love my music, to uh, realize my instrument. What is the music I play? What is this instrument I like company with me all during all my life? So that's very significant and for me. So I really appreciate I I I choose this place to stay. Yeah. Thank you.
I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a co-production of CHMR Radio 93.5 and the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Andrea McGuire. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.